Well, hello, everybody. My name is Ryan Heapy. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. We are the Hey Man, It's Okay podcast and show. This is my co-host, Sky. Hey, everybody. I am Sky, and I'm so excited for this episode that we are going to talk about today because we are talking about some kind of like maybe alternative therapies or therapies that, you know, some people may have a heavy stigma upon, and um, we're going to get into that. So I thought that we would throw it over to our local uh, professional and, you know, knowledgeable database, Ryan. Hey, Sky. How's it going? (laughs) Um, So I think part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today, and and I guess in the umbrella of alternative therapies, I'm, I'm kind of primarily thinking of psychedelic therapies. And lately I've been getting asked kind of more and more from clients, what, you know, just thoughts about it, whether, you know, how to access it. I I just remembered somebody just texted me two days ago asking kind of, you know, where, where should they go to kind of start? Mm, Interesting. And um, I got trained in psychedelic slash ketamine assisted therapy uh, almost around exactly two years ago, almost, almost to the date, okay. uh, which, which was also kind of a, a very transformative weekend in and of itself, which is why, which is how I met Josh, which is therefore how Sky and I met. Well, I'm um, thankful for yeah. that then. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, actually, Josh, I think, uh, referring to this wonderful man named Josh Cutler, uh, who's a mental health professional out of Washington, and he's written two books now. Yeah. And, uh, and in the second book, it's, it's primarily about his uh, ketamine journey, I believe. And, and there's a, almost a chapter or two about uh, my experience with Josh. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this training. And, it, it, you know, so actually I'll, I'll back up a bit. I have always been fascinated by um, alternative or altered states of mind, whether that's via psychedelics or meditation, uh, hypnosis, you know, these different ways that maybe we can access either parts of our brain or, or parts of the world. And when I was in grad school, I remember that there had been some research kind of, you know, and this is probably almost 10 years ago. And that, uh, you know, some big universities were finally taking on, like Johns Hopkins being one of them. And I think they're really kind of leading the way in uh, psychedelic therapies, especially when it comes to psilocybin. Uh, there's also a big corporation called, uh, or a nonprofit, I guess, uh, called MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. And they're really trying to pioneer uh, MDMA assisted psychotherapy. Okay. Um, so there's, you know, there's different forms kind of of these psychedelics. And the one that's, I, I, I believe it's the only one that's legal in a clinical setting is ketamine. And yeah, that one's getting really popular these days. I think they even have like a mail in service where you can do it at home. And this is part of the reason I wanted to talk about this because <laughs> I, I am, from my own experience in getting trained in in this type of therapy, I, I really don't like the idea of just getting mailed some lozenges 
and <laughs> either either doing them yourself without any sort of therapist or uh, there's uh, recently there have been companies contacting me um, seeing if I'd want to do sort of like zoom therapy while somebody's taking um, you know ketamine in their own home and so part of the reason of that is I believe the liability of us as licensed therapists actually being with somebody you know in their home and sort of the liability that that might come with that so uh, the training I did was when I met Josh was um, two years ago uh, from a company called Field Trip. And so again, they were using ketamine and we're trying to do this like co-op program where therapists could, you know, we could have our own clients. We could therefore like meet them in this absolutely beautiful setting. I got to say they opened, you know, somewhere around like 10 clinics kind of, you know, just from like, uh, I think venture capitalist money. And, you know, there's a lot of money that's been going into uh, this psychedelic therapy, I don't, you know, and, and people really are believing that this is going to, you know, kind of be the next big thing. Um, I'm not so sure I, I believe that that's actually going to happen um, kind of and kind of due to what has happened recently with this company field trip. But they were trying to do this co-op program where, yeah, we could bring in our own clients we could, and they would then be screened by their either anesthesiologist or their psychiatrist um, for the, I guess, the necessity of use of the psychedelics. And so one of the kind of barriers of entry here is it's really only for treatment resistant depression. So this means like you've tried, you know, either talk therapy for a couple of years, uh, antidepressants, you've taken, you know, uh, the more traditional paths to working on depression and anxiety, uh, and those have failed. And so if you kind of pass that, then, you know, you're, you're, sort you're okay to go through with this. And, you know, another thing I believe is like, you know, there can't be a history of any schizophrenia um, okay. or any sort of psych psychotic um, episodes. And I believe it's also contraindicated for bipolar. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but um, I believe that's another, there's uh, a potential for harm. And, and in those cases, there is possibly a potential you know, that this, you know, that taking a psychedelic could then trigger either a psychotic or a manic. Oh, episode. okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so this training was fascinating. You know, it, it was in Santa Monica in this beautiful um, office clinic setting. And I, I believe they, I, I don't know if you know who Ram Dass is. I do. But he's, I'm very familiar oh, with Ram Dass. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So uh, love, absolutely love that man. I believe they said his designer, like the person that designed his house was the person that designed this space. Okay. And, and it totally, you know, whether that was true or not, it definitely looked like it. You know, it was, it was very bohemian and comfortable. <laughs> um, just what you'd want when you are thinking of, you know, venturing into your first or, or you know, at least maybe your first clinical setting of a psychedelic experience. Um, and, and so what's kind of so fascinating about this is that you're taking a psychedelic drug in a clinical setting, you know, which, I, you know, I, I imagine the vast majority of people 
Um, when they've tried psychedelics, it's been, you know, with friends at a rave, you know, yeah, in yeah. some other just very recreational uh, form. And, you know, here you're actually kind of being observed and, you know, you're, you're around very serious, you know, mental health and uh, professionals and, and other clinicians, um, which really, you know, made the kind of just the comfortability that, you know, you knew you were in a very safe space. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. No. So being that ketamine is kind of the only real legal uh, psychedelic that can be used, I believe ketamine was made first for medical use, you know, somewhere in like the 20s, 30s or 40s. You know, it's been available for a really long time. Um, yeah. The only thing I ever heard about ketamine yeah. was when they used it at the vet. Right. Yeah, it definitely it got the it got the rap as the the horse tranquilizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> now, um, it's now being used more and more and more, I believe, in you know the hospital setting, uh, as especially as an alternative to opiates. It has sort of a similar effect, you know, depending on the dosage. But like they use it a lot on the battlefield. Okay, as a quick anesthetic that really works and, you know, takes you kind of makes you dissociate. It's actually considered like a dissociative. Okay. And the reason they use ketamine over opiates on the battlefield is that ketamine doesn't have the same um, respiratory depression that, you know, a a typical opiate, which, you know, fentanyl, Norco, Vicodin, hydrocodone, oxycodone, you know, those kind of that class of drugs. Okay. Like when you hear of overdoses from opiates, it, what, what's almost mainly happening is that, you know, somebody's respiratory system slows down so much that they then stop breathing oh, and that's where okay. the overdose. Got it. Yeah. We have a, well, there's a big uh, fentanyl problem here in the, in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It, I didn't know how it worked. Uh, yeah. And it's tragic, you know, Absolutely. at least down here, there's, there's also a fentanyl problem and, not at least that's what I'm hearing in the news that it's not as much people actually using fentanyl, but it's you know people doing recreational cocaine and then it's being laced with fentanyl and then you know having overdoses. Yeah. So I guess just yeah, kind of finishing up the story about um, the tr- what the training was like and, and you know it was like a four day uh, all day uh, training. And you know, the first day was kind of all psychoeducation around, you know, what the, the proper use and the proper setting, you know, and it's really kind of the, the whole um, format is that, you know, you want to set an intention. So, you know, we, you want to build rapport with the therapist and, and know what the client, you know, really wants to work on or what they're hoping to achieve, you know, during this experience. Uh, and then, you know, that can take, you know, either a session or two or, or if it's a, it's a previous client, maybe you know a lot about them and, and you can, you know, can really work together on creating a really strong intention about, you know, what you'd like to experience. And then, you know, you have the actual experience itself, you know, with the, you know, licensed therapist. Um, and then, you know, you have a, a session or two after to integrate and, 
And I think it's, it, it's that integration process that is most important. You know, you, you'll, you'll hear people who've had these experiences and, you know, had some great epiphany or a big revelation, you know, it just it, with any different psychedelic, right? Uh, but then, you know, it's often forgotten a couple of days later and, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of change that's, you know, that's happened. Um, and that's actually been my experience with clients that I haven't done the, you know, I wasn't the one guiding them. They went to, you know, a ketamine clinic down the street and did, they're often done in like packages of six and it's often, uh, rather expensive. You know, I, I believe I've heard it's something, you know, around like $4,500 for you know, six different sessions. Jeez. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's not cheap. And very few insurances cover it, well, uh, but some imagine. do. You know, if you're if you're the lucky one, yeah, that that it does cover it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And you know, I've probably had six or seven clients. You know, at least since I've had my private practice, that have that have done it on their own. And I would say, like two out of the six really made you know, lasting change kind of from that. And, and I think that was really due to the fact that they really took seriously the integration part and, you know, maybe even had somebody take notes, you know, while they were um, going through the journey. The, the downside to just going to a lot of these ketamine clinics, um, which are run, you know, either by psychiatrists or I believe nurse practitioners with a psych emphasis might also be able to prescribe. And so I think there's some clinics being opened up by uh, NPs. Most of the time, they're just going, having the experience. Nobody's really, you know, they might, they're in a nice, comfortable chair and they get, you know, like an infusion, which is, you know, kind of like a monitored. Uh, stable dose over, you know, usually around like an hour to an hour and a half. And there can be some major breakthroughs, right? But how are they taking those breakthroughs and applying them, you know, going forward into their lives? Uh, yeah, which is the, the big, yeah, it's the, it's the big piece. And there's a lot of research that's showing that the outcomes with a therapist are drastically more beneficial mm. than than without. Got it. Okay, so I've got a question for you. So you're talking about all of these alternative medicines. Do you think that there's a huge stigma against some of these alternative medicines here in the United States, especially? Do you think that that's affecting people's view on things and maybe the legality of these things? Totally. I, I mean, I think there is a, probably a... I would have no idea what the percentage is, but there's got to be a drastic demographic of, yeah, people who would never um, uh, even entertain, you know, doing some, you know, this sort of therapy. Um, I think that's changing, especially over, you know, the last 10 years with all this research that's being done. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of states that are decriminalizing different psychedelics. Um, I believe California is trying to move to decriminalize most psychedelics except for MDMA, which I have my own kind of um, 
thought about why they're doing that. Uh, I think there's, I think there's money in the pharmaceutical companies um, that yeah. can be made. And yeah. So they might be keeping the, um, the criminalization of MDMA uh, continued, I guess. And yeah, you know, so maybe on a little side tangent, I believe each psychedelic kind of has its own application maybe for a different issue that somebody wants to work on. Okay. Um, different feelings, different epiphanies, different journeys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're, I mean, they're all very different experiences, you know, um, MDMA is really a, so that's methyl dioxide, methamphetamine. And I often, you know, back in the day it was ecstasy. Actually when it was originally made, it was called empathy, okay. which is really interesting, and and it would have been cool if it, if that name would have stuck. Actually, interesting. Um, but yeah, ecstasy, Molly, etc. And it has an interesting kind of the experience there is that, that I hear is that it's sort of like this emotional warm blanket, and it gives you kind of this feeling of trust and safety and definitely some positivity, definitely a lot of euphoria. And, you know, I believe this is really beneficial when it comes to wanting to work on a trauma that maybe you haven't been able to talk about or has been something that, you know, you really, um, yeah, that, that brings up a lot of anxiety mm. and, okay. you know, has a lot of triggers. So, you know, maybe, uh, especially for like PTSD. Yeah. And I know a lot of the, a lot of the research with MDMA has been, you know, with veterans, um, and, and the trauma that they've you know endured. There's a company called, so a company called maps is the one really trying to pioneer that research. And they've been trying, uh, since like the, the mid late seventies and they've really, uh, generated their nonprofit, but I believe they've received almost like $400 million in donations already and done a lot of research there. They do a lot of uh, therapy trainings and, and, and those trainings are rather extensive. Um, I believe they're kind of like six month programs. Uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, a, a full six month program is necessarily called for. And the most recent update kind of there is that they've been having a lot of trouble with the decriminalization of MDMA so that it can then be used, you know, in a clinical setting. Right. So what they're doing is they're pivoting and making their own synthetic uh, MDMA, you know, so that their own kind of patented drug, which is sort of like a way for them to get around uh, the DEA, and then they can, you know, they don't have to take this, you know, this already highly stigmatized thing and, and try to decriminalize it. And they can make this new thing and then, you know, put it out to the public and it, show all the research around that. But the problem I see there is that that's just going to turn into another big pharma and it's going to cost a lot of money. And, you know, you're going to have to maybe do it through this company that has the patent on this drug. 
therefore, like really limiting uh, access, I think, to the public. And I guess kind of overall, maybe, you, you know, I, I, I don't want this to be like a sad podcast, but I'm really, I've been really disappointed by where I see a lot of this going. You know, I, I feel like a lot of the people who have already done some sort of uh, psychedelic therapy, you know, have often done it, you know, with either a coach um, in, you know, in different countries, you know, there's people who go down to, you know, parts of Mexico or parts of South America and do, you know, these big ayahuasca retreats, uh, which are, you know, like three or four day things. And I recently just had a friend um, who did that. Oh yeah. Yeah. What what was their experience like? Do you know, man, he said it. I mean, he said it connected him with with the earth. It connected him with his roots and made him be a stronger person. And it kind of changed who he was. And he said he just felt so connected and so loved. And it kind of like he's like it really solidified my purpose in life. Oh wow, which was really neat. And it's kind of like it's kind of been cool to watch him go through this journey. Did he have to go somewhere? Like, what did he? Yeah, to... I believe he was in South America. Yeah, he he uh yeah he was in South America for a, a little while. I think it was several weeks that he was down there, but I'm not sure how long his his ayahuasca journey was or anything. I I've heard everywhere from like you know just a whole day, you know, like almost like a 24 hour period of of the journey. And I've also heard people describe almost, you know, two, three, four day uh, experiences, which really sounds like a lot of um, mental gymnastics. For sure. Absolutely. It could be, it could be exhausting. I I know there's also like the whole, there's a whole like purging phase usually at the beginning, um, you know, where people are, are throwing up for a good amount of time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're in South America, and you know it doesn't sound like the most. It really sounds like you're going to, um, you know, like a mental battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Um, I I will tell you that the 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 ketamine therapy is far less taxing. There's I didn't experience while I was there anybody purging. Um, <laughs> that's good. The person I guided, I guided somebody. Okay. Um, the second day of my training had an incredibly transformative experience. I mean, he he ended up actually, you know, some of those things that he experienced during during that experience um, was really reconnecting uh, with a father of his who uh, had recently passed. And, you know, there was uh, also this like connection to sea turtles. And, you know, he was like swimming in this sea turtle filled ocean. And, you know, we was, he was on the floor and, um, and it was so impactful that, you know, a few days later he ended up getting his very first tattoo, you know, of this sea turtle kind of commemorating, mm. you know, both, uh, you know, his father and, and that experience. Yeah. How cool. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that typically, like I, like I was saying before, only usually lasts about an hour to an hour and a half. At least everybody I saw was very, felt very safe felt, you know, kind of relaxed. Um, 
at the same time was really experiencing some, you know, very deep moments. Um, there, there was one person I will say that was when we were all kind of wrapping up for the day, I think she still seemed a little shaken up, you know, or was kind of just still, I don't know, like kind of having trouble maybe processing. Okay. Makes sense. And, you know, the doctors were all there. They assured all of us that she was, you know, absolutely fine and just, and that she needed some time. Um, and that was kind of the most intense thing I think we saw. And the next day when we came back to talk about these experiences and she raised her hand, you know, she had, she told us she entered, you know, this training as an atheist mm-hmm. and was therefore, and, and then leaving as someone who believed in God. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I mean, what a change. Yeah, that, that transformative of an experience. She didn't know, you know, it wasn't like she found Christianity or, or, you know, all of a sudden became Buddhist or anything like that. But she just knew that there was something deeper and that there was, you know, a greater connection, you know, and something bigger um, than just all of us here, which was you know, really beautiful thing. I, I, we all were kind of taken aback when she started speaking like this. And I, I mean, it was so authentic too. She was in tears talking about her experience and um, yeah, just, you know, the one thing I will say, you know, which is why I think it is really powerful for treatment resistant depression. Um, you know, we've talked a few times in here, but when you get that depressed, you know, life is very tunnel vision, right? It's like, we don't see any other way out. We feel like it's going to be this way forever. Um, and for somebody who's dealt with depression for a couple of years, I mean, it, it sure does. It has to feel like that, right? It really is um, bleak. And then you have, you know, an experience like this, which really can kind of shift the way you've been thinking about things or really like just give you this drastically different, perspective you know both in like a cognitive like just in the way we think but also you know actually experiencing you know sensation differently experiencing music differently um you know like your your almost connection to the world is therefore changed um yeah it's pretty it's 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 fascinating and and so to have then somebody, you know, to have a therapist at the beginning, set your intention and, you know, sort of guide where you're going to go through this and then have that same person kind of sitting next to you, taking notes and, you know, may, you know, not only making you feel safe, but also maybe, you know, helping you explore a little deeper. Um, And then what I thought like the coolest part was, you know, because as you're going through this, it's it can be wild, it can be uh, intense. Sometimes you, you might feel like you're just holding on, and and so it's difficult to kind of remember everything. You know, like you might have this great epiphany or this great you know realization, or you know, or let's say you know you've you've got treatment resistant depression, and and all of a sudden now you know you can see that there might be a way out. Like maybe, maybe there is something greater. Maybe there is a a deeper connection. 
And, and then, it, you know, and then after an hour and a half, it wears off and, you know, you kind of have to go back to real life. But then the next day to then meet with your therapist again and go over, you know, you know, like if, if the therapist was taking notes and, you know, which I was, um, to then kind of be able to give that person, you know, just to remind them of all, you know, kind of some of the places that they went really helps kind of solidify. And then, you know, I think that's, then it's like continuing to bring that experience into your life um, that makes, you know, these, uh, these treatments so, so different and, and can be, you know, really, I guess that that's just where the, the transformation can really come is, you know, taking, taking this new insight and then um, bring it in into your, into your everyday life. Well, it's uh, you know, it's funny you talk about that because I think, yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm going to share. Um, okay. It makes me nervous because it's not something that I would typically talk about, but when you talk about these transformative experiences, you know, and being, you know, feeling connected and feeling like, it, you know, this huge mon monumental shift in who you are and, you know, talking about that. And I feel like I can't be my authentic self if I don't share my experience with um, a psychedelic assisted therapy. And, um, you know, I, through my mental health journey, I worked really hard on on becoming who I wanted to be and aiming towards the person who I needed to become for me. And uh, there was a point where I had worked through what, I mean, what I thought I could work through by myself. And then I was introduced mm. to the Enneagram, which we've discussed on the podcast before. And then looking through the Enneagram, you know, I, I, they, each number gives you nine levels of health. So through, you know, doing my research, I, you know, kind of did a self-reflection on myself to see where I was at health wise. And I said, you know, I think I'm a, at level three, working my way to a level two. And then, you know, eventually, okay, cool. I worked on that. I feel so much better. I definitely feel way more there than I used to be, but I couldn't get to level one. And one of the biggest things holding me back from level one was loving myself. And that's a huge thing. Um, you know, if you can't love yourself, it's really hard to love others. Um, especially, you know, with the full, you know, love that you can give. So, you know, I started looking into several alternative therapies and, you know, doing some research and talking with friends and, um, you know, watching YouTube videos. I did see the benefits that people had. There was actually even a Netflix document documentary called How to Change Your Mind. And the second episode mm -hmm. is about psychedelic therapy. So after kind of looking into it, I was like, you know, it's from the earth. Um, I guess maybe it, I can, tr I can try this and see if it works. Um, you know, I had always heard bad experiences and, you know, growing up in the community I grew up in, it was, it was, you know, looked down upon to, to look at, at drugs because they are, I mean, they can change your mind and they can like affect you in negative ways also. And I had always, you know, had friends who had bad, you know, bad mushroom trips. And I was so, I was really worried about it. But after doing all this research and seeing the mental health benefits, um, I was like, you know, I think, I think I'm ready to try something to help me grow something to get unstuck, to figure out how to love myself. Mm -hmm. 
And so I found, I found somebody who was able to provide me with some psilocybin and I, you know, took it and went through this experience and I set myself a journey because I was, what I was told is to set yourself like a goal, right? So my, th- my thought was, why can't I love myself? Because, you know, I feel like I've grown a lot and I've changed a lot. And like, why can't I love myself with like full, with my full heart? So, um, you know, I was, I went through this journey and through this experience and I eventually like wound up like having this like mental image of me visiting myself at younger and younger ages. And at each of these pivotal ages, I mean, I can think there was, there's usually some big stuff going on in my life at those times. And all I did was wrap my arms around them, tell them it's okay. And then I would move on to the next one until I got to, I was about two or three. Um, and I went to this um, trailer where my great grandparents used to live. And I figured out that that's where the sky ego was born. That's where who I thought I needed to be was born. And I, you know, I saw him, I gave him a hug. I said, it's going to be okay. And I tapped him on the nose and he disappeared like, you know, in the, in the snap for Thanos. And, you know, I came out of that experience and all of a sudden I felt like I could love myself. And I felt like, um, I felt like the world was opened up to me and something about me that is I've really never been able to wear my shirt off or take my shirt off in front of people. Um, but after that experience, I was like, you know, I'm the only one who thinks about that. I'm the only one who cares about that. So I've started wearing my shirt, you know, without people. And, you know, it was really there to get me unstuck. And I got unstuck and I moved on to the next step in, in my journey until I came to another point where I was stuck and I went through another, you know, big experience. And it's actually what led me to back to you right before we decided to record together for season two and having these experiences is something that i i mean i wouldn't trade it for anything i definitely would not recommend it to everybody because if you're just using it as an escape i can understand why it would why it would give you a negative effect but if you're using it as the tool i mean it was planted here on the earth there's a reason it's here on the earth right and i felt so much more connected to the universe and good about my journey and i stopped living against the wind and i started trying to flow with it where is where is god where's the universe pointing me and this is this has been such a cool thing to fall into and to be able to find you and i wouldn't have done any of that without that therapy i mean it was it was it was transformative and it it completely helped me get unstuck more than anything i think i think it really helps that unstuckness, um, you know, I mean, it, it really shapes, reshapes, shakes the way we view our, the world, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's this connectedness like never before. And, um, yeah, it's, it really just, just getting us out, you know, letting us see maybe a different perspective, um, you know, or a different way of, of thinking about something is, is, you know, where I see like it's, it's real power that the, the changing the way we can think and also, um, 
that deep connected that, you know, we are kind of all uh, sort of in this together and, you know, one with the earth as well. Yeah. 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 Um, Absolutely. You know, is, yeah, is, is the real power there. Um, but, you know, also to kind of, you know, speak on, on that last part there is, you know, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something uh, to be taken, you know, every weekend recreationally. Yeah, no way. Um, you, you know, or in it, – it, it's often – you'll hear, you know, the two most important things are set and setting. Mm -hmm. And that is your mindset going into it and the setting around you. Yeah. You know, that you, you know, want to, to be safe – um, that you're around somebody who can, you know, take care of you if need be. Yeah. And I, I had all of those things and I, I was, I was set up, I was comfortable. I had somebody watching me and every time I think about th that experience, I just get butterflies and it makes me happy just because it was, it really touched me and affected me in a good way. Yeah. It's so cool. I'm glad you, I'm glad you shared your story. You know, and I mean, there's a stigma we around talking, it, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's, we were, I was just going to say, that's mm -hmm. why I can't, that's why, you know, I wasn't going to at first. Yeah. Sky and I were talking about this uh, before the podcast and feeling a little hesitant, cautious, yeah. apprehensive, yeah. apprehensive maybe about sharing this story due to uh, the stigma that's out there. And you know, that book you were talking, well, the, it's a Netflix show now, but yeah. it was first a book okay. by Michael Pollan, right? And that that book, I think, might have done more for psychedelic therapy than maybe, you know, anything else um, in, in recent culture. Like, he, you know, he was a, a pretty respected journalist that was then taking on this very taboo subject and, and took it on in such a well thought out way. Um, that it got people talking, you know, and, and then it got people, you know, I think people were kind of going after their own experiences, which then, you know, then I think, you know, a lot of these big universities were felt like they were able to take it on again. Um, you know, there was such a stigma, uh, during, you know, the sixties and seventies that, you know, really set back the psychedelic therapy. Um, I wish I, I wish I knew my research a little better or at least the history of this, you know, because a lot of these things, uh, you know, I believe acid MDMA, um, you know, were, were used by psychiatrists in the, you know, I believe like the forties and fifties, a lot of it was like mm -hmm. in couples therapy too. Oh, interesting. For, for couples to like connect again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but then it was, the Timothy Leary kind of uh, the whole counterculture and the tune in drop out. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that really gave it, a, you know, gave it such a bad rap. Um, well, I think it can then, be abused very know, easily. Was, all of them. Yeah. I mean, I think they all can be abused. Yeah. Um, but man, there's such a benefit if you're using it right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and what's interesting is well, uh, you, there is obviously like street use of ketamine that, you know, is, is, uh, can be abused. I don't think you see a lot of psilocybin abuse and, you know, not everybody wants to do a, a six hour mind bend, mind bending, exhausting. Um, Cause it, you know, it can take it out of you, I think. Right. Yeah. It's, um, but 
the other problem I think, you know, of, of recreational or, or using them not, you know, not in a clinical setting is you also don't know what you're getting. You don't know kind of what dose, you know, you're going to have, um, which I thought was so cool, you know, to, to be in a clinical setting and, you know, have, you know, people monitoring your vitals and, uh, making sure that, you know, you got pharmaceutical grade, you know, FDA approved or whatever. Yeah. You know, actually um, I heard about this one, I heard about this one in Jamaica, uh, called blue portal that does that. They have medical grade, um, mushrooms and they kind of get to know you a little bit the first couple of days. Then they give you the right dosage for you to have the experience that you want to have and to help you through it. And that's all, it's all so intriguing to me. Like the mind is so intriguing to me about how it works and how these things help us like they do. A lot of the talk during the training was, you know, that some of these things can kind of activate this inner healer in us, you know, that, you know, whether you believe that may be, you know, an external spiritual connection or that there's something, you know, deep inside us that then gets activated and, you know, works us through um, some of our issues or, or just reconnects us with, you know, why we're, we're supposed to, why we're here in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I guess, you know, maybe just to, to wrap it up here. Um, did we touch on the, 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 the lozenges? No, um, no, we didn't really. Yeah. So, so recently I've been contacted by a handful of companies that they send out these ketamine lozenges okay which are which i believe are drastically different than uh, the either intramuscular or uh intravenous like the iv or im um application of ketamine and and they they ship you out i guess a few of these things and then you're either supposed to just do it at home by yourself or you, you can possibly do it, you know, with uh, a therapist over Zoom. I kind of frown upon upon that idea. Um, I, I don't think that ketamine has the same power or potential as you know the uh, the IM or IV yeah. use. Um, and also, you know, I think you really want somebody there. You know, you want somebody next to you. And, you know, sometimes it's just hearing that, you know, that's all right. I could kind of only imagine all the problems. I also think it's kind of wild, you know, that if I were to just take a, a dose of ketamine right now, that I'd then want to stay on a Zoom call <laughs> for, for an hour <laughs> and, and talk to you or, or even, I, you know, I might not even have the wherewithal to like figure out, you know, what's going on here. Um, so that, that doesn't sound as uh, appealing. <laughs> <No>. and, <laughs> and I think, you know, and maybe I'll end with, you know, suggestions. Um, you know, if you can do it in a clinical setting, absolutely. If you can, if you can find a way, you know, to get a licensed therapist, um, you know, like there are some ketamine clinics that just, you know, will, you know, put you in a lazy boy and hook you up to an IV and, you know, uh, listen to some music, and, you know, you just have your experience. Um, 
if you can find a place that actually has a therapist on site helping you along, walking you through, and even better if you can get one, you know, that you can meet with beforehand that can then set an intention with you, then, you know, actually be there for the journey and then, you know, help you integrate all of those things later. I mean, that's, that should be, you know, the way it's done and, and the gold standard. Unfortunately, you know, that is also the most costly, you know, and to have a therapist sit with you, you know, for that amount of time, you know, isn't cheap. But, you know, I, I think that's, um, if you're looking for a way to do it, you know, that's, that's what, that's the way you got to go. Um, you know, and I think that's where you'll get, you know, the most, the greatest benefit out of it. Yeah. And I do, I've got to say, we're not promoting drug use. We're not promoting recreational use of these things by, by any means. We just simply like to get the information out there and to maybe share some um, opinions and maybe to share some, some, um, you know, feelings that we've had ourselves. So please consult a therapist before you try anything. Um, you know, don't try to do this on your own the first time, make sure you do your research, make sure you're safe, make sure you've got support. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think, it, you know, this kind of conversation is important because I, I, I keep seeing on Instagram, all sorts of different companies that are advertising, whether it's legal or illegal or, you know, under the table kind of stuff. Um, you know, so do the research, find a place, you know, that has a great reputation that they, you know, they know what they're talking about. Um, you know, and if it if it can come with a licensed therapist, by all means, you know, use that. If done right, and you know, the right set, the right setting, they can be just incredibly, like you said, you know, about your experience, you know, totally transformative, yeah, world breaking. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, like in general talk therapy, right? We often are trying to get people to see a different perspective or look at something in a different way. You know, this is often, you know, kind of a, a, a real shortcut or a real um, direct route, like a blast off to, you know, actually, you know, experiencing a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, great. I think that we got some good information out there today and, you know, Ryan, you're such an expert on this stuff. Thanks for sharing all of that information and the stories and, and you know your your training in this therapy because it's it's awesome and I think that there's some future applications that hopefully are coming soon for people who are dealing with some se severe mental health issues. I you know I've told you I, I'm kind of on the fence about you know where this actually goes and <laughs> for no other no other reason than either the logistics of it or big pharma right or you know and uh, I, I I have this terrible dread that somehow big pharma is going <laughs> to find a way to take it over and you know and, and it's only going to end up being accessible to the same people that it's accessible to now, you know, the people that can, you know, afford a, uh, a trip down to South America with a shaman, right. Um, you know, or a $5,000, you know, package, uh, you know, at a, at a local clinic. So yeah, I, I really, I really hope it, it moves in the right direction. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that the stigma is, is also, you know, uh, washed away as well. Yeah. No. Well, all we can mm -hmm. do is talk about it and work on it, right? 
Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining Ryan and I for another episode of Hey Man, It's Okay. Make sure to check out our Facebook, our TikTok, our Instagram, all at Hey Man, It's Okay. YouTube.co slash, it's a long one. We're working on changing it. Go to our website. The YouTube link is on our website, HeyManIt'sOkay.com. And okay is just okay, not O-K-A-Y. So until next time, I'm Sky, and it's okay to not be okay. Thank you, guys. Take care.